0: Nine, and we're going to be taking you through until five o'clock this evening and it's our first show back after summer programming and it's the 21st of January 2019 and a lot has happened a lot has happened since last year and I'll be talking you through that today. First up we're going to be speaking with with Tom who is an anti-fascist comedian and organiser and um Oh, it's Tom Tanuki.
1: Thank you. That is, that's 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 what they call me. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. And then we'll be speaking with him pretty soon. And then after that, we'll be speaking with um, Lydia Thorpe, who is a very strong Aboriginal activist, and we'll be speaking with her about her work on country and talk to her also about so-called Australia Day um, Invasion Day coming up and looking at at how councils are actually trying to change, to um, force people to do citizenship ceremonies. It's all about changing the date and a lot of Aboriginal people do feel that. And then after that, we will be speaking with Ali, who is an asylum seeker within Mita um, in Broadmeadows, in Camp Road um, in Melbourne. There has been a hunger strike there. And we will speak to him about the two hundred detainees on hunger strike. Um, that's it's over now. So he'll give a report back on that, and he'll tell us a little bit about his story, um, and talk about the fact that um, they they want to end the guard abuses, sack and charge the abusers. End the Brutal Conditions Inside the Detention Centre. So we've got quite an action-packed show. It's approximately 4.01 and I now welcome Tom to the program. Hello, Tom. Welcome.
1: Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here.
0: It is lovely to have you and there's a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, um, it's, been a, it's been a hectic, uh, you know, break. Oh, it hasn't really been a break at no, all, you know, in terms no, of anti-fascism, no. that's for sure.
0: No, no, and we never sleep. <laughs> Yeah and Tom we were speaking off air about the St Kilda the St Kilda um offshore and about how some far right people actually came in to came to the foreshore to cause trouble yeah and i wanted to talk to you just about that but not just about that also about the the right wing rising and looking a little bit about a brief history first of all can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this organizing and comedian st- um, stuff
1: Sure thing, Marissa. Well, look, I, I I got involved in about actively involved in it two thousand and sixteen. I, I have a background of doing um, spoken word comedy stuff, but. Um I started turning it over to being explicitly anti-racist or anti-fascist in nature when I started noticing that the, I guess, the Reclaim Australia mob, as they were between 2015 and 16, that they weren't going anywhere. And I, my first, I guess, contribution to, to anti-racism in Australia was through making a, a fake patriot group. So this was a satirical... Uh, Patriot group called the Million Flag Patriots Billed as the strongest Patriot group that Australia had ever seen And the point of that, I guess, was undermining real Patriot groups By taking the mick out of them And ever since then I've had a variety of Non-violent and comedic efforts to undermine the far right, and to, I guess, to comment on them, or to, you know, to frame my observations on them, and to make people laugh, I guess, um, by, by, yeah, satirising or taking the mick out of the far right.
0: Sometimes things get get a bit too serious, and you know, comedy does play a very, very special role,
1: doesn't it? I look, I actually, it, for me, it's my way of processing things. Other people, when they get angry, they get angry when i get angry i want to undermine something by taking the mick out of it i need to process my anger or my dissatisfaction with things by laughing at it and you know one beautiful thing i've been able to do since starting this stuff in 2016 has been to build this network i guess or coalition of people that think like me like it's certainly not for everyone, some people might see that I'm I'm too flippant. They may think that way. I may see them as being too sour yeah. in their approach. <laughs> but, <laughs> well,
0: it's not about being flippant, really. I think you know everybody has their own way of, of handling it. And comedy yeah. comedy plays a gr- is a great way um, of of actually getting the message across. Yeah. So I believe that various white nationalist far far right right groups have called for vigilante type rallies. On St Kilda Beach uh, in early January. Why is that?
1: Well, um, I mean, they were aided, you know. M- m- my my usual observation of the way that a lot of these um, popular um, moments for the far out have worked since two thousand and fifteen, sixteen. You know, the moments where they've they've broken beyond the bonds of just being having a strong internet followership and have sort of breached into the mainstream media. Those those instances usually happen. Um, you know, the narrative is begun by the mainstream media and and what we saw was that in, I think it was in late December, there was a viral video of a a few Vietnamese people having a fight in St Orbans with a few Sudanese people. That went viral and then a current affair started capitalising hard on that by um, launching a series of, you know, exclusives as they want to do about, um, you know, racial tensions, which, yeah, obviously that kind of thing plays really well and it's, it's you know, racial division is a, is a really popular um, narrative for shows like Karen Affair. It gets people afraid and it gets people watching their show. So um, they do it for money. They do it for advertising money. It's what yeah. the mainstream media do. But then you had organisers, people like Neil Erickson and Blair Cottrell, well-known, I guess, um, uh, uh, far-right nationalists and neo-Nazis themselves, start emulating those things. You know They start capitalising off of that, um, those tensions, um, but instead of doing it for money, like the mainstream media, they're doing it for Facebook, reach and to get lots of people to come to their event. So they have started organising a Cronulla 2.0 style event.
0: And at that, on that day, and indeed on many other occasions, the media protects the fascists when the anti-racist <laughs> groups turn up?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, apart from one or two articles, there was a really good article by Ten Daily. You don't, you don't tend to see much about the community organising that goes in trying to try and show up and stop these people. I mean, there's this, this popular narrative I me mean, by, you know, Channel 7 since 2015-16. This whole both sides are bad as each other narrative but at the end of the day that's not true though is it well i mean you know no of course it's not i mean at the end of the day these people had explicitly attempted to organize a race riot and it was explicitly organized to try and marginalize and terrify and beat up Sudanese people who might have been on the beach at the time. Now, you know, South Sudanese people um, actively encouraged each other as they had to do to stay away. But can you imagine what would have been like for that community if no one had have rocked up to say yeah. to them, "No, we don't believe in that. We believe in the opposite of you." You know, we stand with Sudanese people. Like if you're a white Australian, or if you're not South Sudanese, you're in a you, you know you're in a safe position, relatively speaking, in a situation like that. They would have been targeting South Sudanese people there. So the fact that the community rocked up to say to them, no, we don't buy this race baiting, you know, that is not as bad as a race riot.
0: (laughs) Exactly. But look, you know, this all comes back to the Liberal government and the vile, vile Rumours that are being spread about African gangs Yeah,
1: totally. And
0: the way they're demonising people You know, terrifying Trying to terrify people I don't want to go out, you know To a restaurant at night Because there are African gangs It's a load of rubbish Statistics have gone down And I just wanted to hear your perspective As an organiser um, Anti-fascist organiser And indeed comedian As to why do you think There has been a significant rise In the far right
1: Um all well, over
0: the world not just australia
1: well they've you know since the i guess 2014 15 they have proven amazingly effective at organizing and and staying on message with each other in an international sense if you if you You uh, broadcast an anti-racist message or a pro-migration, pro-immigration message. Since then, you'll get attacked by a a, a horde of trolls from all over the world. Um, If you're if you're a a person with explicitly, if you're a politician with explicitly far-right inclinations, you'll receive international support from far-right people all over the world. Steve Bannon will jet halfway across the world. You know, that person who famously, you know, sort of uh, helped to craft Breitbart and helped Donald Trump at the outset of his presidency. Um, You know, he'll fly over to help you, you know. (laughs) He'll bolster your reputation. They have... Consolidated through very effective online messaging, as a as an international force. But it is it is through the power of social media. It's through the power of propagating fake news and hate Absolutely. messages through there,
0: and all these Hitler signs. And you know, you could even construe it as. Um, I mean, I was, I couldn't help laughing, Tom. I was watching the drum the other week, and I believe it was somebody from the Australian said, oh, look, they're just a bunch of baboons. (laughs) 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 Look,
1: (laughs) (laughs) fascism doesn't. Fascism, um, and they all hate this term. They think, oh, you call everyone a fascist these days. But, you know, when you've got people organising a race riot and other people rocking up to that thing doing sig hails, I'm happy to call you a fascist, you know. But, you
0: know, as well, sorry to interrupt, you know, Tom, I want to make it clear I know we're kind of making it pretty lighthearted on this show. I don't want, if there are any survivors from the Holocaust listening or, yeah. um, you know, I don't want anybody to get offended because Tom and I are really just, um, we do take it very seriously, don't we, Tom? It's uh, it's, it's I it's have pathetic.
1: done, I have organised consistently against very dedicated. the far-right and neo-Nazis and what have you in their organising efforts since 2016. I do it all the time. And I've, these
0: men are just, are just... Blair and um, Neil Erickson and those people, they're criminals. They've got a criminal record anyway.
1: Totally, yeah. And,
0: you know, Aussie, 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 like they're really into this um, um, no-halal... it's it's ugly a lot of the stuff is really really ugly their
1: message doesn't require much consistency i mean you've talked about it you know anti-halal anti-muslim era you know they've they've largely jettisoned that in favor of the sudanese thing it will be another migrant group in two years time it doesn't matter who it is as long as it's a a message of division i mean fascism itself is all about um uh, um you know running this narrative that you're under threat of having your power or your identity taken away from you and that the solution to that. It's a united nation state or what have you. You know, there's these conflicting narratives going there and it doesn't require much brain power. All it requires, you know, the message of people like Cottrell who stand up there and emulate great fascist orators like Adolf Hitler, of course. <laughs> what they do when they stand up there and try to rouse people, as people might have seen from the footage of St. Kilda, is they try to rouse people's uh, soul, their heart, you know, with these messages that are that that don't logically or factually stand up. They're
0: manipulative. They want to go and discuss. They want to go and discuss um, the African crisis, totally. the African gang. It's. It's absolutely disgusting.
1: That, you know, the, their message doesn't have to logically stand up. It doesn't have to be at all. There was a really funny thing from St Kilda. Can I say there was yeah. a there was a, a, a guy in the audience whilst Blair was speaking. You know, Blair, Blair paused for for. Um, theatrical effect as he's wont to do with his chest puffed out, you know, um, peacocking around on the top of the hill in St Kilda. And someone yelled out, and first I'll do it in his voice and then I'll do it mm. in mine, I'll translate it. He yeah, goes, yeah. Rage against the machine! Do what they tell ya." Now, that was in Patriot-Ease, <laughs> so let me translate for you. He yelled, Rage against the machine, you do what they tell ya." So he's actually oh. quoting a Zach Dilaroch... Zach Diller, like a oh, lyric no. from Rage Against the Machine, which is an explicitly anti-racist, leftist, I guess, revolutionary song, if you will. It's weird. Uh, they, they, but they, they, don't they, no, they don't know. They don't what know what they stand better. for. But they don't have to, you know? I mean... One small blessing is that we've got, to, we've got to be grateful that people like Cultural and Ericsson can't organise these movements to save their lives. Absolutely.
0: Tell us about. Um, we were speaking off air about Invasion Day coming up and the, the march coming up on Saturday, which I'll advertise soon. Yeah. What's hap- are they coming? Are they just going?
1: The organisers of the attempted race riot at St Kilda have announced that they're intending... To attend the Australia Day parade being held by, you know, being the government organised Australia Day parade in the city on this coming Saturday, on the 26th. And They've said that they're doing that because they fear that the uh, that the Invasion Day rally, which will be significantly larger as it's always is, you know, it gets tens of thousands of people that you know recognise yeah. our modern history for what it truly is. They're worried that the two uh, will coincide, but I don't believe they will. So, what I want to know, and I guess I want to know this from the Victorian government, is: are our families safe? attending the Australian Day Parade. Are they indeed? Yeah. And, and do, does, the, does the Australian government, whether it be the state or the federal, do they endorse the same crowd that went to St Kilda to Sig Hale and to make Hitler gestures? Do they endorse that same race riot crowd led by people like Neil Erickson attending the Australia Day Parade, billed as a family-friendly event, this Saturday? And if so, what does that mean for the Australia Day Parade? Has it effectively become a neo-Nazi event? Absolutely. You know, Tom, that's
0: such a good point that you've made. So let's throw it out there. throw it out there um, down the airwaves. And while we're at it, let's let's announce um, the march. We are calling on members of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community and our supporters to stand with us on Invasion Day 2019, Saturday the 26th, an annual day of protest And we will stand together and march together as our elders have for the last 81 years this January 26th to protest the ongoing colonial violence on our people. This invasion 2019, we want this violent colony of so-called Australia to know we do not accept. But where is it? Do you know?
1: Um, It's being organised in the city. The event is online. If you look up the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance page, you'll be able to find the event. Here it is.
0: I found it. Saturday at 10.30am. 1 pm Parliament of Victoria and it's Narra Melbourne and um, that's the Aboriginal land Invasion Day 2019 Abolish Australia Day's racist and discriminatory Policing practices and courts, which incarcerate our people at the highest levels in the world.
1: Such an important event. I, I just I can't stress enough to everyone that follows my pages online and why I view that. You know, everyone um, that it's important to get down. I, I I view it as a day to, to to acknowledge the facts of what happened since British invasion here in 1788. The facts of it. You know, not to not to indulge this delusional nation-state fantasy propped right. up by Anzac myths and what have you, that, we're, that, that we've that we just got, you know, we can just wave hand flags with the Australian flag on the moon. That's around. right. To me, that's a delusion. And Absolutely. I, and I, I also view it as a day to pay my respects and to show some respect and, yeah, to celebrate the survival of these many cultures, the original inhabitants of this country. And I, I, I view it as a day to do that as well, you know, and I, I, I just think, you know... I I, I think I, I love that these things have been ballooning. These events have been ballooning in recent years. I think it shows that great social change is coming. I might call me a call me an optimist, but that's why I like no, to believe.
0: No, no, it's true. Now, pretty soon, I'm hoping we can speak with Lydia Thorpe, who will um, enlighten us and give us more information about that. She's a an Aboriginal activist and was actually a Greens NP um, of Northcote for a, for a, quite a while there. But before we go, Tom, I'm wondering. Do you are you able to tell us any podcasts that you'd like us to tune into or is that private?
1: Um in terms of podcasts I mean actually I I should tell you that in the coming month or two I'm slated to be kicking off a podcast with my mate Nadine we'll be kicking Great. that off soon so I I um I I I will be announcing that through my page in the coming weeks. So Fantastic. I, I please please keep an eye on my pages. And if you look up Tom Tannicky online, then you should be able to find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And I will actually say, yeah. um, within the next day, two days at the latest, um, people can expect a video from me, a long form video. I've been working on those lately, called What to Do on Australia Day, and um, it's, it's, a, it's an in-depth analysis of the various <laughs> options that we're oh, facing on the day. And, you know, nice. my conclusion as to what I think you could probably guess my conclusion as to what I think people should be doing on, on the 26th of January. As I said before, I think they should be ten, attending the Invasion Day march, certainly in Melbourne, and the events all, organised all over. Absolutely. Now. But please keep an eye out for that on my YouTube channel.
0: Thank you so much for coming onto the program, Tom.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, I'm going to put on an announcement and we'll see what's um, happening about lining up Lydia. Are
2: you 18 years and over? Have you been stopped by a Victorian police officer or protective service officer in the last 10 years? Would you like to contribute to research that aims to inform law reform and litigation strategies to prevent over-policing? Go to policestopsurvey.online for more information and to take part. That's policestopsurvey.online, a 3CR supporter. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy
3: or online at 3CR.org.au forward slash
4: shop.
2: Get a piece of your own history on sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now.
0: You're back with 3CR Community Radio, the Doin' Time Show, and this is our first show back, and I'm raring to go. So hello Lydia, welcome to the program. Hello. Lydia? Oh, hello. Oh Lydia, are you there? Yeah, yes, we I am. You were missing and acting there for a bit. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. Lydia, it's so great to have you and I wanted to honour you and have you back on our first show back um, after summer programming.
4: Deadly,
0: thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, now I'm wondering, we were speaking off air um, about talking about a a couple of things and I wanted to start off, um, Tom, who is an anti-fascist organiser, was here just before and he's actually just off to a meeting with the Warriors of Aboriginal Resistance now to discuss the upcoming uh, Invasion Day march and various other things. Could you just talk to us um, a little bit about Invasion Day and... Um, and about how the councils are trying to force... Uh, sorry, not the council, the government is trying to force the councils um, to have ceremonies, citizenship ceremonies on that day.
4: Um, so Invasion Day, obviously, you know, we all know what that means to um, Aboriginal people in this country. I think we've been talking about that long enough yep. for people to have an idea of um, the hurt pain that we feel, even the anxiety, you know, leading up to the day, um, is, you know, it's huge. And um, you just see now all the racism starting to come out um, from certain sections of community. Um, so, yeah, uh, in terms of the council and, well, in the parliament um, of this country and the you know, a right-wing government such as um, the Libs, well, what you know, what do you expect? They'll do anything to um, keep their national identity the way they think um, it should be, and it's quite a divisive um, move. I think I thought Morris Gomo Sco- would have... Um, you know, he, he could have been quite brave and yeah. done something like that um, so close to an election, which he's going to lose anyway. Um, so I think that, you know, he's he's desperate and he's out of touch and it's not what the rest of the country, from what I'm seeing, is supporting. No. Uh, the council, you know, that they, they represent their community. They're the closest um, government, um, in terms of the three tiers of government closest to the people, and they're listening to their their community. And people don't want to celebrate... A lot of councils don't want to celebrate Australia Day and um, don't want to hold those ceremonies. And the, the council that I... Uh, the municipality that I live in, in Darabin, certainly um, don't want to be holding... Um, citizenship ceremonies. In fact, we need to even look at the whole um, issue of citizenship ceremonies and people coming into our country becoming citizens. You know, there's, there's no um, acknowledgement, there's no Aboriginal participation from um, traditional owners whose land it is. So, it, you know, it creates a whole lot of um, debate. But, you know, the they're on their way out um, the federal government, and they're clutching at straws. And I know, you know, Darabin and Yarra um, and possibly Moreland Council will fight it to the end. And, you know, it's going to be such a big fight that this, that government won't be in place by the time, um, you know, any big decisions are made.
0: I refuse to celebrate Australia Day. It's um, it's it's an insult and it's a, it's Invasion Day. I refuse to acknowledge it and I've never been to the parade. Actually, I don't think I've ever been to the parade. <laughs> I mean, I, I except, except for the Except when I'm on a rally. Like, I don't actually just participate with the officials, but, yeah.
4: Yeah, well, the one that I went to was basically um, invading exactly. The parade. Exactly. That's the how rallies. I do it.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> how I do
4: it. Was it. Such a, it was a really great feeling. It was. Um, it, it really exemplified, you know, how separate... Um, People like SCOMO want to keep this nation. SCOMO. And yeah. there were you know, there were lines and lines of tourists waving Australian flags and thought that we were just part of the parade. Yeah. yeah. And we ended up having quite a few of those people join in the rally mm. and get an education about the true history of this country and what is really going on.
0: It's not so, all gloom and doom. Yeah. And you know lydia i've read so many um stories about elders and spoken to elders that don't even have birth certificates you know there's, there's some of them don't even have certificates of birth in this country that's right, and you
4: know there's, there's some people choose not to have a birth certificate that's as right well because then you're choosing to participate in the colonized system that exactly been imposed on us so you know, there's, um, there's pros and cons to it. I mean, you need a person there is. to participate in society these days. And But I certainly understand those who um, have maintained their sovereign status and, and not participated um, in this colonial.
0: Well, there has to be sovereignty. And, you know, we can always go back to the passport ceremony ceremony um, the Ray Jackson and, and other Elders um, organised. Lydia, I was wondering if you could just... I know this is this is um, kind of following on, I mean, because climate change is very relevant, isn't it? And the forests are relevant um, yes. to to um, colonisation. Well, the logging of forests. Could you talk to us a little bit about um, what you've been doing in the forests? Uh, so when I started
4: as a Greens MP... Uh, I, you know, I, I got more involved in um, the environment movement as such from a white perspective. And I didn't realise, I suppose, how, um, how separate even that movement is and how sovereigns aren't part of the movement. They're not even... Part of the conversation, they're not at the table, and all these decisions and campaigns are being made predominantly without the traditional owners of that part of the country. Yes. So, um, rather than you know condemn the environment movement and get everybody peed off with um, you know their white privilege, um, I decided that you know we need to hold them to account. Firstly, but also bring our, our sovereigns into that space and and create some conversation about what a united effort or front it would be, what it would look like if we actually, you know, took the lead from sovereigns who know that country better than anybody else, but supported by the, the greenies or the environmental uh movement and campaign. So, um, an example of that is, um, Talangi Forest, which covers, uh, uh, three clans and, and, they are, um, well, one of them is mine, which is the Gunai Nation, which takes in two of my clans. Um, the other is Wurundjeri and, and the third is Tangrong. So I, um, had a meeting with those clans and, and got selected environmentalists to come and provide a briefing on what is actually going on in that forest. We did a visit out to the logging coop. Uh, we talked about what totems were becoming extinct or, in, or endangered. And not one sovereign person had any idea of the extent of the eco-side going on on their country.
0: Can you elaborate on that?
4: Well, the extent of the logging is, you know, it's still, what, seven MCGs per day on their country that they had no idea about. They had no idea that their totem was at risk of extinction. So... That raises a very big question in my mind. Firstly, about the environmental movement and who's been involved in all of those. Absolutely. But, but secondly, the native title process is meant to protect our interests. So that's um, something that I'm really passionate about and I continue to work on. And I want to bring more clans into the forest to have a look at the devastation.
0: Do you do this with, with just Aboriginal people, yes, with, with the, the, the clans? That's it?
4: No, I do it with um, some environmentalists who've been involved in some campaigns. I'm so
0: glad. They, they need to know. They've come on a bit of a journey. You yeah. Know, they've, they've, they've
4: come on a journey. They've
0: yep.
4: had a, a bit of an education and, mm-hmm. and um, been you know, spent their time and their resources to make yep. these meetings happen. We've had many meeting discussions and they've completely changed their tactics and, their, and the way they do business on our country.
0: It's and about time. That. Yep.
4: Yep, and I respect that and I respect those people. Absolutely. Um, and we'll be able to... We'll, we can now continue to work together to save, save the forest and save those those totems, but we'll do it being led by sovereigns of a
0: country. Well, it's really important. I've been Absolutely. saying this for years. You know, when you do a blockade or when you're organising, have an elder present. Get an elder from that country. You know, to, let's talk about it. We all well, have to I unite. That, well, it's, you know,
4: it's not just about having having people present. It's having people at the Decision-making table. Yes, on what it looks like. Correct. Before we get to that point, mm-hmm. and and that's where you know the, even the state government, the Andrews government, um, set up this body that that looked at um, the, the logging and the practices there and and what they could do about it. They had not one sovereign person around that table. They had all of the environment groups and the union groups. But, but not yeah. one sovereign person.
0: I'm not surprised. How
4: can they be making those decisions without us?
0: You've got to have it at government level, absolutely. You've got to have it at government level, you need to have it at you know, at the level of the activists. Um it's it's gotta be about unification and accountability to to country and clan. That's
4: right. It's not about dividing people, it's no. not about um you know, that we're not interested in saving our country. The reason why we haven't been out there on the on the front line for country is because we're too busy on the front line for stopping our people from dying in prisons or stopping our children from being taken away. So the other um, element of this is that the environmental movement needs to also help us with our movement, and that is to get on the front line with us Incarceration and and killings of, of our people in prisons and, by, and at the hands of the police and stop our children from being taken away, then we can have enough energy and time to continue to fight for other things that are important, like our country, like our forests and and everything that goes with that.
0: Lydia, it's it's great. Um, there is just one question I just wanted to clarify for listeners. When you say totem, that's to that's that's linked to the animals, isn't it? And yes.
4: Yes, and it and it's some, you know it's our responsibility. For example, my one of my totems is must duck, and that's a gun eye totem. And you know we don't eat duck. My family don't eat duck. We protect duck. Yeah. And yeah. that is because that is. That is our responsibility as sovereigns of that country um, to nurture and, and protect um, our total because that is our, you know, that's part of our dreaming. It's part of our connection.
0: It's Once really that's gone. Yep.
4: You know, that a lot goes with that.
0: It's so important, Lydia, what, what you talk? I I had a feeling this interview was going to be really important. And it is. It's important because these things are not discussed in government. It's not discussed um, in the boardrooms of the multinationals. And it's certainly not, not discussed in the Queen's Palace. Certainly not. Because they haven't... You know,
4: they, they refuse to talk about it. They refuse to understand because it threatens their sovereignty, which is what it all comes down to. We have never seen the sovereignty of this country, and we never will. So to acknowledge our totems, to acknowledge our connection to this land and everything that belongs to it, is also to acknowledge our sovereignty.
0: Lydia, it's great. Um, hopefully we can have you back pretty soon. Um, but just any concluding comments you wanted to make um, about country and about um, what else we can do, and specifically leading up, not just to Invasion Day, but the whole year?
4: Well, I think that, um, you know, we do need to unite as a nation. And the way to do that is to connect with sovereigns and, and what, you know, look at, Look at the fights that we're having. Look at the campaigns we're running. We're running that on nothing. We're running that out of our own pocket. Um, we're not resourced the way these environment campaigns are um, resourced, for example. So, I think that to to work, walk with us and work with us, you've got to give up some of your privilege that you have as a as a you know a white Australian. And that means that these campaigns need to be re- resourced so that we can stop these injustices. It's not just about walking with us on the day, you know, once every year. It's about giving up some of your privilege and some of your resources. And, you know, as Uncle Ross says, pay the rent. Yeah. You know, start, start putting some resources into things that will make a real difference so that we can unite. In an equal, um, at equal
0: footing, you know, Lydia. In it's true what you're saying, but I wanted to also say as well at the same time that you've got your also your white Australians that are disabled. Um, you know that also that that wouldn't have privilege either. As well, they Absolutely. have. They also have Absolutely. their struggles. And and I and I respect
4: that. Um, you know and. But ours is ours is deeper. You know, you can't we can't change the colour of our skin and we can't change um, what's happened to us over the last two hundred and thirty years. So um, I, I respect that and, and those fellows are more than welcome to walk with us because what we're fighting for will help them fellas too. But I'm talking more about these big organizations.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Wheel the, the the, you
4: know, yeah. Mm. They wheel in the...
0: The government, You know, welcome
4: to country. They wheel in the blackfella when they want it, but aren't prepared to share some of their resources to help make a real difference. And that's uh, yeah. I'm challenging them on. Um, and join with us on Invasion Day and join, you know, come to the dawn service and reflect upon the hundreds of thousands
0: of Aboriginal people that have died fighting for this country as part of the resistance. Absolutely. And, you know, to hear to, to listeners as well that it's really important we all have to unite together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Lydia, thanks, thanks so much for coming. And we're going to be speaking with um, Ali Soon, who's an asylum seeker um, imprisoned in a detention centre in Melbourne, and we're going to be speaking to him very soon.
4: I'll give him my, my love and support because um, this is our country and we welcome refugees.
0: Good on you, Lydia. Thanks so much and see you okay. on Invasion Day.
4: Definitely. See you then.
0: See you then. Bye. Bye. And that was Lydia Thorpe um, speaking about um, her work on country and some of the very, very um, challenging things that are, that are happening right now um, with Invasion Day and indeed throughout the whole Yeah.
4: 3CR always
2: bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at
0: the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. Down. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. Don't
5: you know, so there's tens of thousands of jobs gone contracted down. out to sham contracting arrangements.
1: On
4: 855 am and on the web 3cr.org.au.
0: Wasting time in the unemployment lines. And you're back with the Doing Time show. It's approximately 4.40. Hello, Ali. Welcome to the program.
3: Hi, hello. Hi. Uh, I just want to thank as well, Lydia, for what she said. Welcoming her on, like, in the country and that. Thank you very much for uh, love and really good support for us.
0: Absolutely. And Ali, this is also a very important interview. And can you just um, tell yes. listeners where you are right now and how I'm you got a- there?
3: I'm in Maita Detention Centre in North. Broadmeadows? Uh, in uh, Broadmeadows, in Melbourne.
0: Okay. And how, what happened? What, tell us a bit uh, of background.
3: I committed... Uh, a crime in Australia. It wasn't actually a really serious crime. It was just a driving offences, uh, driving a uh, license, uh, car, and a faulty stop, driving. I ended up getting 18 months, so 18 months and 18 months, so all of the three years by 18 months, and then parole 18 months. And then after I finished my sentence, and then I was free, they picked me up straight away from the prison, to another prison which is Yonga Hill detention center we call it Yonga Hill just a hell it's not actually a heaven really really bad like the jail actually more better than Yonga Hill where we was living in there i end up in Yonga Hill and since then i've been in detention center system 2 years and then i keep going to court federal court but she was a a lady, a woman in Perth, she proved me, uh, granted me like I won the case. And they appealed against me. I went to full federal court, and then I win the case against the three federal, three full court, three judges uh, at federal full federal court in Perth. And they still rejected me. Appeal against me, and then I'm just waiting for next appeal. Could be happening next year. Could be happening two years. It just that what they actually doing? Instead of spending money on this innocent people, just locking them up like that. I done. I done, and I'm remorseful for it, and I sure. regret What I done in Australia really, really bad. I already, I, I'm, I done even double, double, double punishment more than what, what I deserve, and I deserve it more. Because I done it to myself. It was my choice. No one, no one else choice. All so, I need is, It's just like mercy on us. Is like where's the mercy? Where's the, where, where's the human rights of the innocent people to put them locking them up like that?
0: Absolutely. And Ali, so you're you're in detention at the moment. So why are you being detained now? Uh,
3: I'm just waiting because they keep appealing against me, and then now when I uh, went through full federal court, the three judges uh, tried to prove me visa. They appeal against me again, and then we go on back to the tribunal. They said we agree not to deport Ali, so they can't deport me because of uh, background in Iraq. I was working in the army with the US Army, helping them inside Iraq. So did you they, seek Did
0: you seek asylum in Australia?
3: Yes, I came from an asylum seeker from Turkey camp to Australia straight away by a plane. I didn't come by boat. So, so you, you didn't I, kill anybody. You asylum didn't.
0: You, you didn't kill anybody. You know, you just had some no, driving offences.
3: I, I, I never touch any person in Australia, even in my time in the prison or in detention. I never. I, I'm not even violent.
0: You know. You know, Ali. It's it's pretty crazy, and the reason why. I mean, it's you and I have had a couple of conversations off air, and it's yes. it's so important that. You know, it it was important that you talked to us about that background. But I also want to ask you to just talk about a little bit about the hunger strike that happened um, in in there in the centre, and why did that happen? And were you involved in that?
3: Uh, Why it did happen? The crime, you mean?
0: No, no, the hunger strike, the actual hunger strike.
3: Okay, in the the centre, hunger strike, hunger strike is going on. It's been now about eight days in Hunger Hill. And then today, officially, Melbourne, we went back again on hangar strike because we went on seven days before even the last eight days. Back. Younger Hill went on. We went last fortnight on, on hangar strike for a whole week because we didn't have a TVs in the room or couches or chairs. And they said it's coming, but till now it didn't come. So-, so they lied to us. So now we came back on hangar strike again. We give them one week to actually bring everything to us, but they didn't bring them. So the chairs, couches, is still until now in Maita North. It didn't come.
0: So and just, then, just for listeners, sorry yeah. to interrupt, Ali. So we can tell listeners yeah. what's happening here. So, yeah. so basically, this is in Camp Road in Broadmeadows. I used to visit detainees there, and we used to be allowed yep. to bring food in, but now people aren't allowed to do that. It's more like a prison type setting, isn't it?
3: Yeah, no. Nah, like my my mom sometimes. When I was in there, to try to bring me like just a, a frozen pies or something just to eat, I'm, I'm hungry and I want something to eat different in a visit or something. She's not allowed to. They chuck them in the bin. They told I'm not allowed to anymore by by order force. Why? It's like I'm a human. I'm I'm allowed to eat. You can't. You so you detain me. You on me. You make me sleep when you want it. You make me wake up when you want it. You want you, you want to make me like. Anger when you want it, you want make me happy when you want it. And then as well, you're controlling my food, what I eat, what I drink.
0: Yeah, and indeed the conditions sound to me very militarised in there.
3: In the human, in human, the condition in the human. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the videos I've been posting on my Facebook page, the 541 Circle and ERT page mm. uh, on, uh, on Facebook. If you see the videos... Is a horrible condition, actually. Even was the New Zealand uh, TV news actually done with us as well. Uh, a video call and we showed them on the car, and was on TV last six days ago, five days ago. We showed them the toilet, got no doors. It just next to the bed. So if my roommate in the room and I want to use the toilet, I have to wake him up and tell him, can you get out of the room because I want to use the toilet, please? Otherwise, no privacy. I'll be like yeah. at the front of him. You know, like shower and that, no doors at all, no doors, no curtain in no the toilet, no nothing.
0: And there are no chairs except for metal stools.
3: Yeah, metal stool, a, a little metal stool, uh, the size of maybe twenty centimeter, just bolted to the ground, bolted to the uh, to the gr- uh, floor of the room, and it just, you can't sit down on it because your back and everything get numb if you sit down on it more than twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. It's just not fair. It's like there's not even one detention centre like that. Even circle managers, I don't want to mention, mention no, names, no. Yep. but they said Border Force done that one, that detention centre, the new one, after they closed MIDC. they done it on purpose to break people up and make them not fight them cases so they can sign.
0: Yeah, and, and also to make it so intolerable that people decide they want to go home. So all it's, I, all yeah.
3: I want to say, all I want to say, like the Minister Peter Dutton, Emigration uh, Minister, I think he's Minister, Peter Dutton, why, why are you holding us like that and why are you actually detaining us?
0: Ali? Hello Ali, are you still there? I think there's been a bit of a glitch in the phone. Um, sometimes things can happen in those centres. A guard may have taken his phone or there there may have been something going on there but um, it is extremely difficult and indeed some of the demands that they've had with the hunger strikers close the camps from Manus and Nauru to Mita and also looking at the conditions um, to try and also stop attacks um, and abuse from guards and indeed... The government has said that there have been no hunger strikes. Go figure. I'm just going to go on an announcement and we're going to see if we can get Ali back um, and see what, what can be done. Um, my apologies that there's been no music at this stage um, because we've just been having a lot happening today. Indeed, um, having a special broadcast also on Invasion Day. So um, I will put on an announcement and see if... Um, we can get Ali back, even for the last couple of minutes.
2: Are you 18 years and over? Have you been stopped by a Victorian police officer or protective service officer in the last 10 years? Would you like to contribute to research that aims to inform law reform and litigation strategies to prevent over-policing? Go to policestopsurvey.online for more information and to take part. That's policestopsurvey.online, a 3CR supporter.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid we've we've lost Ali. Um and unless I, I get um something from the the programmer who's doing the calls. I'll just continue um, announcing some Invasion Day events, but yeah, we it, we had to bring you that 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 interview with him um, just to show how asylum seekers are treated, um, not just in detention, but just demonised. Just so many things that are happening. It's approximately four fifty one, and um, just wanted to announce um, a forum that's coming up. January the 22nd, second, six days, seven days of resistance, decolonising solidarity, what can I do? As a part of seven days of resistance campaign leading into Invasion Day 2019, uh, I have just received some information. Robert? Uh, yeah,
2: um, I have a gentleman named Ian from Sydney.
0: You can oh, yes. Um, what, what line, please? Yeah, I'll just um, speak with Ian now, and we'll continue this discussion. Here we go. Hello, Ian. Welcome to the program.
5: Yeah. Hi. Hi. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think they might have taken his phone away.
5: Oh, it's it, anything's possible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's possible like that. Although they've been they've been pretty okay about the phones, but yeah.
0: It's no, because he yeah, was right he in the in. Evident. It didn't sound to me like the reception was cut off, Ian. Like it just. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it just. okay. Well, there
5: could be. A, okay, there could be an argument. We'll have to find out.
0: We'll have to find out. But Ian, you yep. know, we were just in, in mid sentence. Um, yep. Just talking about uh, the the conditions in in Mita. Can you comment on that?
5: Yes. Yeah. Look, uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's all summed up by the fact that the people who were transferred from Maribyrnong High Security Maribyrnong to you know to Mitha North. Um, actually, the initial strike in 8th of January was about going back to Maribyrnong. The, the, hot, the uh, purpose-built places, in, whether it's in Yonga Hill or in or in Mitre, um, are like a high-security prison. You know, people, uh, they're, they're, it's all stainless steel, chairs are bolted to the floor, there's one TV that you really can't look at because you can, it's in the dining room and the chairs are bolted to the floor so that you can eat at the table, not look at the... TV uh, people are locked down in might they They're locked down from uh, you know midnight to uh, seven a, seven a.m. It's extraordinarily, um, so it's all those things. You know, the, there's constant complaints about the food, the arbitrary treatment, the fact that people are you know routinely handcuffed even for you know for medical appointments. Uh, people have seen some of the videos of the um, you know the bashings and the assaults that uh, the circle guards are responsible for. So you have got a very high security, you know, prison in terms of in terms of the conditions, um, and you know, on top of that, there are no, you know, there is no oversight. There's no appeal. So we put out the um, footage of the, you know, the two people being assaulted in Midas South in early January. Um, there's no recourse. Uh, there's no place to make a complaint. Um, you know, there's no, yeah, <laughs> that people people cop it. People are put into, you know, punishment cells. Um, and, you know, just the whim of the circle officers.
0: But it never used to be like that, Ian, at that centre in Broadmeadows.
5: It's got a lot worse. I mean, since Border Force actually took control of the detention centres, that's a bit over 12 months ago now, um, it it has become a much more militarised operation. Uh, So you've got the black-shirted, you know, Border Force guards, you know, hang around. They've got meant to have oversight of the whole thing above... You know, Serco. We've seen all the issues about you know the drug testing, the restrictions on you know on visiting, uh, the, the restrictions on bringing food into the detention centre. Uh, I mean, there's a whole range of ways in which the militarisation of the detention centres themselves has gone along with you know substantially increased powers uh, that the you know that the minister got under the Act, of compulsory relocation. Uh, You know, sections of the Act, the ability of the minister to cancel visas, you know, on the basis of, you know, um, national interest or character, uh, you know, has created a a very, very, you know, well, severe, aggressive, draconian climate inside the detention centres now.
0: Extremely and in fact that's why we've rung you Ian just to to discuss that particular aspect because we were just starting to talk about that which which is why I'm a bit suspicious you know that it just felt like the phone was taken.
5: Look, it is it is possible. Um, you know they, they they don't like the phones. I mean the fact that we won in the court. You know to have the phones, uh, they they resisted that with everything that the government had. Um, and of course they still intimidate people. You know I put out a little a little clip uh, this morning with a press release where one of the Ali, probably the man you were talking to, actually they wanted to search his room. They evacuated the compound. They put uh, you know the the emergency response team, you know, in into the compound to actually search his room. And the degree of intimidation, they found nothing, but, you know, they, there is a constant climate, you know, of intimidation. Even the fact that they're willing to carry out the, you know, the, the very, very aggressive uh, arrest, you know, of people, in spite of the fact there are phones in there, gives some kind of indication of the way in which the ERT, the Circo Guards and Border Force, you know, respond, you know, to any... Uh, questions of there being you know, sort of surveillance of um, you know of what they do?
0: Absolutely. And um, could you just remind listeners of what the name of the organisation is, please, Ian?
5: Uh, yeah, well, we're, I'm with the Refuge Action Coalition in you know in Sydney. There's a Refuge Action you know collective in uh, you know in Melbourne. It meets on you know Monday nights and you know down there. We meet on Monday nights in Sydney, but if there's anyone in Melbourne who'd like to get to. But I'd encourage people to get to the Refugee Action Collective meetings in Melbourne on you know on Monday nights.
0: On Monday nights, please Google Refugee Action Collective if you want to know more, or contact nine four one nine eight three double seven and um, and someone will give you that information. Um, Ian, yep. thanks so much for um, for for talking to us, and we'll I'm sure we'll be speaking soon. Thanks a lot. Yeah, okay. Thanks Take for care. Thanks for the
5: trouble. Thanks yep, a lot.
0: Bye bye. And that was Ian um, from Sydney speaking to us about um, Mita. Just very quickly, we've wow, I've got to go soon, but. This forum that's that's coming up, um, it, it is a panel. Um, I've run out of time, but you just it's it's about it's a fundraiser for the Tanya Day family in the nearing trial of deaths in custody in March. Please Google it um, and and find out where that panel is, um, or call me. Um, from the Doing Time show, and I'll give you that information. Gotta go. Four interviews. Thank-